This is Fam Electric Ghost, and we are live on our Twitch, Facebook, and YouTube channels with Beck X for the first time. Hi, how are y'all doing? Yeah, we're excited um, to have you on the show, and we're yeah. going to be doing a couple of things. We're going to show a YouTube video of one of your latest songs, um, but we've got to do some housekeeping that we do. We actually have a sponsor, so we've got to do our pitch. Newsly <laughs> is an audio app for iOS and Android. You know, it picks up web articles about the most trending topics at the web at any given moment and then reads them back to you in a natural human voice. So for the first time in history on the net, the web becomes listenable. So you can browse articles and topics that you choose and start playing, stop scrolling, start listening. So they have podcasts as well, explore trending podcasts from over 40 countries. Our podcast, Family Electric Ghost, is on there. So download and use Newsly for free. Go to www.newsly.me and use the promo code GHOST2021 and receive one month free premium subscription. Again, that's GHOST2021. And we're back to the program. <laughs> so one of the things we like to do with artists that we interview since we switched to the, to the video podcast is actually show a video of the artist's work. Because then you, before we start getting into your process as an artist and producer, and, um, we can actually have the audience actually listen and see your work. Yeah. So yeah. So what we got on deck is scissors. And then we'll talk about it on the backside of it. We're going to queue, we got it queued up and we're getting ready to play it right now. Woke up this morning, thought we had it all Tonight I'm going to sleep alone Cause I can't see what I just saw Hope she's all in her phone So I'm pouring the ice, I'm giving you the boo I'm sniffing off the strings, tiny you want to be that girl, cause I ain't that close But if you let me down, so don't run around all of town blaming me for what you made me do. Oh. If I cut you off, if I cut you off, if I cut you off, the chances are you handed me the scissors, handed me the scissors. While I was dreaming about our future, baby You were sharpening the blades Shining up nice, making this real easy Oh, you won't even feel the pain So I'm lowering the ass, I'm giving you the food I'm slipping off the strings, tie me to you You 
and that was scissors and uh we're back and it's sorry it's actually bex i'm sorry i didn't correct you sooner but it's oh, bex. bex yes okay. and every time i watch that music video i just feel like a bad <laughs> oh yeah yeah it's pretty, it is pretty bad <laughs> literally I mean, like, it's, it's kind of got a little country vibe with like a like a rock classic rock and the country too yeah because that's kind of I started more on like the country side of things and I've kind of like evolved into more like rock alternative kind of Americana. Yeah. I guess you would say. Um, but yeah, that song, it's definitely on the verge of like country and rock for sure. <laughs> no, but it's cool because I like, I like that Americana is kind of like a, a lot of what, um, uh, you know, I, I used to grow up listening to the band, you know, and, yeah uh, bob dylan in the band and that's kind of the you know and then like waylon jennings and Johnny <laughs> yeah i like that kind of country is kind of what i'm into but um yeah i like the feel of it because you've got that really cool feel uh Thank which you. is um you know like you know it just has a, a, a that kind of classic feel but then that kind of country tinge you know and I'm yeah like, there's the the steel guitar in there like throughout the song <laughs> the really killer um electric guitar so they kind of like balance each other out a bit for yeah, it's sure cool. it's cool to hear that because you know a lot of things today are so like edm or so hip-hop tinged that yeah. i can hear like you know slide guitars and like heavy guitar it kind of you know, reminds me when I was, you know, back in the day, because I'm like 54. So I grew up with like Tom Petty. and I love and Tom all. Petty. I was just listening to him yesterday, like all day. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty cool to get into that singer-songwriter mode, because that's one of the things we're going we're gonna to get into. Yeah. Is, is we, we like to ask, like, the first question we always ask our artists is like, when did you get into music? Like, at what age did you decide you wanted to do music? I... I don't think I ever like decided I want to do music. I think music decided that I must do it. Um, since I was little, like I've just always, my whole life has been a musical. Like literally I brush my teeth and I'm like singing a song or like, it's just, since I was like a child, I was always singing Shirley Temple and like doing the little dances. And like, that's just always been my whole life. And then when I got to like 17, I decided that I actually want to try it out like professionally and see 
what I can do. So that's when I actually started taking like voice lessons for the first time and really like experimenting like with what I could actually do as a singer. So that's interesting because um, so you've been working on it since you were in as a teenager. Mm -hmm. um, I guess the question is like, when did you realize you had a talent and you want to start writing like your own material? I think it was my first, I always knew I could sing and I knew I could write too, but I feel like when you hear a lot of music all the time, you're like intimidated I kind of by, you know, yeah. putting your own, own words down. So I think it was about six months into living in Nashville and being around like songwriters all the time to realize mm -hmm. like, oh, I actually do have like something to offer here and I want to pursue that. Yeah, so. that's always intimidating. Cause I remember when I first started, I was like 17 and it was just like a garage band in the basement with all my high school buddies and like, and MTV was around. And like punk <laughs> when it was, was music. <laughs> yeah, it was like 78, 79, you know, like early 1979, 80. And MTV showed up and we were like, oh, there's the class, there's Joy Division, all these bands are showing up. And we're like, we could do that. <laughs> the thing about like punk and early new wave, it looked, it looked like you could, maybe you could do it, right? Mm -hmm. it, was, it, <laughs> it was definitely somewhat accomplishable because yeah. you just needed to learn, know how to play music and sing very well, I guess. Nowadays, yeah, well, yeah compared well, there's to like, a lot more too that goes into it. That's just the but, simple. Yeah. <laughs> I think the thing was, is like as a young kid, you know, growing up to Led Zeppelin, right? Yeah. You know, ACDC and, and uh, The Who, like we and Pink Floyd, they were so, and yes, and Genesis, they were like so far ahead of what you could do. Right. Yeah. As a young musician, I was like, well, how could I ever match what Genesis is doing on stage or what Pink Floyd is doing? And then they're like of, geniuses, literally. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you see the clash in the Sex Pistols <laughs> and some of the stuff that was on early MTV, early New Wave, it's like their, their voices weren't Robert Plant. You know, yeah. they, they weren't Jimmy. They weren't like, you know, like the Stones or Roger Daltrey. They didn't have like, they weren't like Motown, Motown singers. Like you can't even reach them. Right. And yeah. Like, and like, oh, then when you see like Johnny Rotten and Joe Strummer, it's like, well, I could, I could do that. If Joe Strummer is going to do that. I <laughs> no, I know exactly what you mean, where it's more, it's less of, it's music, but it's less of that, like, it's I don't the know. Fee. The entrance, entrance fee is not as high. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's an easy way of putting it. I think because I feel like a lot of those people uh, like Pink Floyd. I mean, there's just such a, it was, it was just such a craft to it. It was less, I feel like about performing and more of just like making crazy music that like blows people's minds. Yeah. It was kind of like, it's like, it's like you had these artists, do you think they, they went to school? You could feel like they went to music college or they knew music theory that they, they, they were very into orchestration. So they had a mm -hmm. lot of stuff being built up that's pretty heavy. And yeah. if you're, you're a young artist, you're like, well, how can I get into something that's like more approachable? <laughs> and I don't have to have like a Whitney Houston five octave voice or Mariah Carey or like a Marvin Gaye voice. Like, cause it used to be like, if you're going to be a soul singer, you, you got to sound like Smokey or Marvin. And if you can't, then, then you shouldn't even do it. Yeah, no. <laughs> you gotta have that deep, deep soul. <laughs> yeah. So then like so that's cool. So you felt like you had the talent that you got the you got the you know the drive to say, Hey, I can do this. So like once you realize that you can do it, 
like who were your influences and like reference points for your for your music? Um, growing up, I've always been like uh, Fleetwood Mac and Pink Floyd, the Beatles, mm -hmm. just kind of like Classic. I've always loved the music that means. I mean, I, as I say, the Beatles, some of their songs, I don't know what they mean, but like yeah. means something, you know what I mean? Like has like the heart the and soul craft. behind it. Yeah. Something about the Beatles, like Sgt. Pepper's, you could be kind of hard pressed to say what, it, what does that stuff mean? <laughs> But but it but it works as a pop song. Yeah, no, it work it works. Like my favorite was "We All Live in a Yellow Submarine." Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. there's all this kind of psychedelic stuff. But the thing was that they were able to build the way that Motown built catchy songs mm -hmm. with hooks, and they did it from a, like a rock perspective, right? Yeah, so within the rock genre, they take they took the kind of like uh, hit machine capability that Motown had and brought it into rock and then mixed a little psychedelia with it. So then yeah. you had, you did, wasn't just like, I'm gonna date this girl and I'm gonna lose the girl, I'm gonna get the girl, which is like the early stuff, like help, help. It's like that. But then yeah. when you get the Sgt. Peppers and Abbey Road and all those albums, the White Album, they're suddenly talking about other things. They're not yeah, just no. talking about like dating or typical song structures. Well, and, and that's so why I think I, I admire those bands so much is because each one of them, they evolved together as a band and yeah. like their music changed as the times went on and they kind of like, they evolved together instead of like a lot of bands, eventually they, you know, they outgrow each other and break up. Whereas like these people went through years and years of shit together. <laughs> Excuse yeah, my language, true. but. No, they're cool. <laughs> I think what happened is like, like the Beatles were like the ultimate boy band, right? Mm -hmm. When they were in Berlin, they were a typical boy early rock band just doing like R&B, blues covers, and soul covers. Uh, and it wasn't, you know, that complicated because you listen to like, you know, they start to get better rubber soul, like rubber soul. They start, yeah. really, it starts to get a little psychedelic. Uh, and then you get Sgt. Pepper. But before that, you know, <laughs> help, help and everything. They're those songs, those albums like Meet the Beatles, they're all, they're, they're kind of just like typical 60s albums. That there's no real cohesion. There's, yeah. There's songs, but they don't feel like albums. Yeah, no. Where it takes you on like an actual journey. Yeah, it's not like a story. Not that Sgt. Yeah. Peppers is a story, but it kind of shows you what you can do with a record. And then mm -hmm. you can make songs that work together. They kind of meld into each other. And they and all they flow. Mean, yeah, it's not like Tommy. It, it's not a rock opera. Yeah. But it, but it feels... And this is kind of is the template for almost all modern bands. We'll go back and, you know, every I've talked to a hundred bands in, since 2018 and they, you know, today people still mention the Beatles because yeah. it's really <laughs> about soundcraft and mm -hmm. again, how George Martin helped, you know, put these guys as the fifth Beatle, how to actually use the studio like an instrument. Well, yeah. And, and that's like a lot of what, um, like Fleetwood did the same kind of thing too, is they literally like they went in the studio and they used their producers and stuff yeah, to help build the sound. And I think, I think it's just about overall being open-minded to what your music could be instead of like what the box is. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think what I heard George Martin, I was watching this um documentary and he said, you know, like I could have recorded the Beatles like they sound in Berlin. Mm -hmm. And we did initially. And then he said, well, I, it was very interesting. He said, like, I like sound paintings. I think of music as a sound painting. 
And I said, well, what's that mean? And he said, well, I used to, he used to work on Peter Sellers comedy records. You know, the Pink Panther, Peter Sellers, famous comedian. right? <laughs> yeah. And he, he, on those comedy records, George Martin said, I used to do all this orchestration, had all these special effects, had like multiple layers of things. And it was funny because he said like the Beatles actually liked his, his Peter Sellers comedy albums. <laughs> and they started talking about like, what if we brought in these tape loops and all these effects? And that's kind of how Sgt. Pepper's came about was oh, that's cool. said, that I could actually take the stuff I do on these comedy records, which has all this production yeah, that wasn't being done in the rock, on the rock records and actually introduce that. And, that, and then the Beatles, like John and, and, and Mark, George, Mark, you know, John and uh, Paul, they really got into it. And they're like, wow, we can use all these tools as an instrument and do the idea of like a sound painting. Oh, right? that's it's so like, cool. And if you think about it, like that's where all modern rock, even yeah. you get into your dog. I mean, that's what you do. Even <laughs> pop now, I mean, it's all just, you know, taking things, looping them or cutting this up, making it sound different. So it's, it's kind of, that's the evolution of music that they help create for sure. That's crazy. Yeah, the idea <laughs> that like in the, your studio album, right, it doesn't necessarily sound like you do when you play live. Yeah. That's, it's kind of like, it's like the best example of what you can do. You have all these vocal layers, all these layers of instruments. And a lot of times when you play live, you can't necessarily replicate what you did on the record. But unless record, you have lots of tapes. <laughs> yeah, unless you're running the tapes or you're running the backing tracks. Not that you can't do it today. Yeah, there were people would argue, no, you can. He's like, yeah, you can. But 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 the thing is, then you get locked into the groove, right? If yeah. you take all your backing tracks and you go and play live, then you're kind of locked into what you did on the master. Yeah. Right? There's so, no there's yeah. no like passion yeah. in it at that point. Yeah. It's just literally like, strategical <laughs> it gets boring i mean i think as a musician yeah. if you just locked into your master and you had to replicate your master every night i think you get a little bored i think yeah. it's more fun to actually rehearse it and then play it a little different you know but and different interpretations for different times too and stuff like that no yeah. definitely yeah, so then, then the album becomes this representation of like trying to create some kind of perfection with what you wanted to do, right? So you had this yeah. vision and you're trying to make it sound better than what you could actually in real life. A lot yeah, of no. cases, in a lot of cases, that's what happens on a record. That's what you do. Um, and so the thing is, is, like, it's kind of fun, I think, when you, you have your record version of your material and then you have your tour version of your material. And that's shame cool. on everyone that thinks that they have to sound the same when they go to a concert. No, yeah, I think it's like, I'm, I'm a big fan of bands like the Allman Brothers, right? And, yes. and, and, and like Funkadelic and Prince. Like if you ever saw a Prince show, and I was a big Prince fan, I go, I go to Paisley Park and go see them. And awesome. one thing cool about Prince is like, you didn't see what you saw in Purple Rain every night. Like if you went no. to see Prince, he would mix up the lyrics. He would change how he did it. He would do Kiss, like the song Kiss. He would do it like 10 different ways. Oh, that's so cool. I and didn't know he, that about him. Yeah, he does. He did, you know, for the fans that want to hear Purple Rain, he could do it straight. But a lot of times he would he would take songs and do them totally different. And then, then you know, because that's just the fun of it, you know. No, that's awesome. I think yeah. that's what, what we want because it keeps people on their toes too, for sure. And it makes them like, you know, want to go to the next show because it's going to be maybe a little bit different than the last show they just saw. So, 
No, I think about like a band like Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam will get their fans to see them three nights in a row. Right. And why would you do that if they sounded the same every night? Because they don't. Because Eddie will come out with his song book and he'll change the lyrics up. And then I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. Pearl Jam is famous for doing like people will go see them like Friday, Saturday, Sunday at a venue. Right. And every night they play, they play the set list different. They play the songs differently. Oh, that's right. so cool though. I gotta go see Pearl Jam now. Are they still Not the push, but like they're kind of like the dead, you know, the the Grateful Dead back in the day were famous for doing that. Like the Allman brothers were famous for doing that. Uh, yeah, because why would people like follow them like in herds across the country? Yeah, it was right? kind of like the whole point of like when I was growing up, like the kids would go see the dead because like it was just a jam. It's like they would just jam. And they go like four hours. And oh, like, that's awesome. And you're like, what the heck are they doing? Like every night is different. It was like, okay, that's cool. <laughs> but um, yeah, today it seems a little different. The people kind of want the hook. Yeah. So do you find like today that like when you're writing music, it seems like a lot of times people are writing for the playlist, right? And they're not writing for the album. Um, maybe that's my opinion, but this seems like the way the industry is working. So I was just wondering, like, when you write for you for yourself, and when you're trying to work on your your projects, are you primarily working on individual singles, or are you working on like EPs and albums? Just as a question. So I kind of started um, working on an album about like two years ago, and then COVID kind of happened. Um, I went through a change in management and all of that. So I kind of had a lot of time to like reflect on what I wanted to be doing. Cause I feel like when I first came to Nashville, I kind of like, I put myself in a box of like, Oh, this is what a country singer is supposed to look like supposed to do, supposed to write like mm -hmm. all of that. And so once I like kind of had reflection time and time to like step back and like look at myself and like what I actually wanted to do as an artist I stopped writing for what the radio would want and I started just writing for what I wanted to write and just like ideas that would because I'm a how I write is I I write down a list of ideas and then I just like go off of that basically like one will just like be super catchy and I'll be like okay that's the one I want and so that's kind of, I just started writing into like what I was feeling and stopped really focusing on whether my song was going to get played on the top 20, of like on country well, radio I mean, or something yeah, like that. I think it seems like <laughs> a lot of times today when I talk to people, <clears throat> like, you know, like in the hip hop world, they're trying to find a producer, right? Mm -hmm. like in rap and hip hop. And I think it's like maybe like in all genres, but that is specifically or even EDM there's a certain set of producers that have a certain style. They're getting like hits all the time, right? So then if you're into like trance or trap or hip hop, or, you know, then you look for oh, the key elements that those producers are doing and you try mm -hmm. to replicate it, right? But then what happens is that becomes like this game where, okay, I'm going to be a Xerox to somebody else. Yeah. Or am I going to actually take what I want to do as a musician and do the best version of me and then hope that people can can pick up on what I'm trying to do, right? Well, so, and it helps all your songs not sound the same. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think the key of the, like, the old school way of music was that like, you'd have a very unique, you know, entity like Yes, or like or, or like Genesis or like 
Tom Petty, and he, you know, he, you know, sounds a little bit like the birds, but he doesn't really because they, mm-hmm. they're using a Rickenbacker, so it sounds a little like the birds, but then his voice is totally different. And yeah. And they have that organ, so they had this very interesting sound because they had these, the organ and the guitar coming in, and nobody really did that. You know, maybe Bruce Springsteen did it a little bit different, you know, mm-hmm. had the organ playing in there, but not the way Tom Petty did. Um, so it's like, it seems like people have this unique style back in the day. And maybe you get bands to try to clone it, but not as many as you see today. Um, yeah. You see a lot of people just think that they all, oh, I'm just going to do a Drake sound, or I'm going to do this sound, I'm going to do that sound. Well, and, and then you listen to their songs and they make no sense. Like, yeah, it's like, what? what is the songwriting craft? Like you were talking about. Like Americana. at all. Yeah. Like Americana, like you think about the band, right? And in, in the song, like the weight. Yeah, right? that's up, up on Triple song. Peak. I mean, yeah, they, they're telling yeah. a story, right? Mm-hmm. It's like the classic American song is like yeah. telling a story, right? And you get some of the songs today where it's kind of like 1950s kind of like nonsense songs. Not that I want to put it in, but in the 50s, we'd have this, like these songs that were just like catchy things, but what did it really mean? Right? Yeah. It's kind of a three-minute catchy thing, and it seems like we're kind of back to this kind of 1950s catchy kind of nonsense phrase that's it's catchy, but it doesn't really mean anything. Or it means something, but why do you want it to mean that? A little underground and you're trying to sneak it in and you know, like you're playing with words and double entendres and whatever, but it's still like it's it's like kind of not as deep as like Dylan. It's yeah. not as deep as Springsteen, it's not as dick deep as like Lou Reed. Um well, or like, Hendrix or, or, well, even in like hip hop, it's not it's not as deep as like Biggie or Tupac either right now. Um, there's some good ones, but I, I just wish people would focus more on the words and less on the, the beat, the beat, but I'm also a lyricist, so I'm very picky, so I can't really say that, but it's important if you get into early hip hop, the words are super important, Yeah, but like planet rock, you think about like, uh, you know, the, 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 all the original people involved in hip hop, you know, from Dale Soul and public enemy and, you know, they, they have very dense lyrics. Mm-hmm. Very, and they, they know, mean something. They mean a lot, you know, yeah. a, lot, a lot about what it was. It wasn't just like, okay, I'm wordplay just to be kind of uh, obnoxious, right? Yeah. So it's, it's not trying to be as obnoxious or as like, oh, I'm going to be like uh, daring people. You know, it's like, dare, I dare you to pl- not play it. <laughs> it's going to offend so many people, whatever. But it's like, it's just, you're just trying to push the envelope to push people's buttons yeah actually making somebody think about what you said and like yeah. a, the movement behind it yeah it's like yeah a like Pac and biggie is like it's like the flow and then the depth of what they're saying right mm-hmm. it's very it's as it's, it's, it's deep as like anything springsteen or, or dylan is doing yeah you know, it's, it's a lot of stuff packed into it um and then today it's like did you really put any craft into that you know, there's, like, there's some good ones out there still. I can't name them off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. But uh yeah. I just I, mean, I like I like Earl Sweatshirt, I like Tyler the Creator, I like some people that they do like stuff that has some depth that have telling a story. <laughs> They're actually saying something, it's actually a story. It's a Kid Cuddy's really good at the depths too. He's, yeah, yeah. That there's good stuff. I mean he makes I, you think for sure. But I think the problem is, is like we're kind of in this world of like a playlist world, 
Yes. Right. So one of the things back in the day, like I said, you like you're working on you were working on an album. We'll get into that again. But the idea, like I grew up in the seventies, everything's on vinyl mm-hmm. or a track, right? So when you bought a record, you didn't skip around, right? So you you bought it and you would listen to the whole thing. It's like, well, either it was a good one or it wasn't. But yeah, but the whole idea was that you would get the picture of that whole artist work because you listen to the A side, listen to the B side. Right? Yeah. And now you would kind of have a connection with them more. Yeah. It's like today is yeah. like, I, if you hear a song, it's like you're jumping around and it's just like, oh, it's just a top 10 list or a top 20 list or a top 30 <laughs> list. And you don't know anything really about that artist other than their hit. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I have that problem where I've discovered Spotify. I'm a very late bloomer to Spotify, but, um, and I'm like, oh, I can listen to like Patsy Klein one minute and then I can listen to, I don't know, um, the Eagles the next or something like that. Like, it's just like you literally, and then I can listen to like Wiz Khalifa, like right afterwards. Like it, it makes, it makes no logical sense musically, but I, well, it's, I it's, it's like pretty- a catch in a, yeah. I don't know. It's a catch 22 kind of like, I believe it's like, it's good. Cause you can expand your music horizons, but then also you're not getting like the connection to the music that like you used to get. Yeah. It depends, yeah. It depends how you listen. Like, like if you're a person that jumps around, then you never get to know the full catalog. Like, like, I, yeah. like Oh, I would like all the velvet undergrounds are there. Right. So then I'll go listen to like every album all the way through, but that's how I grew up listening. Right. So yeah. I, the way I tend to listen is like, I'll go listen to, you know, uh, the rise and fall of Ziggy Stardust, like the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Because that's how I listened to it before. So that's how I listen to it now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but, you know, but the so last today, they might only pick one song off that Bowie record. You yeah. Know? You're not listening to the whole thing through. Well, that is true too, is like a lot of these musicians, like I personally find that like, I like people's music. That's not, the most popular songs like out there like the like yeah. little hidden gems out there and i feel like those are getting harder to find sometimes yeah because you think about it like if all you do is put all your energy to build one hit you put all your budget and i was talking to some guys and oh you shouldn't be putting out all these albums because i put tons of records out and <laughs> you should just concentrate on one song and put all yeah. your energy and all your production to that one song and i'm like that's not the way i write you know, I yeah. write is like ideas, right? And so, and and then like like you said, like if I one of the things I love about music is, you know, I like some of the Eagles songs that are like the less heard ones. Mm-hmm. Right? I like the Springsteen songs that you don't hear, like like the deeper tracks on D- Dylan records, um, because those are where the artist is really isn't trying to make the hit and actually maybe trying to say more. Right? Yeah. And I'd like to get into that. And so, yeah, it's hard today when people want you to just write hits. And it's like, well, you know, sometimes it's those other songs kind of build up the full picture. Yeah, no, I agree. And it, it sets like a, I guess, like a platform for like who you are as a person, too. Yeah. So, I mean, talk about like the project you're working on. I know you put out three singles for this year and we just played one of them. Um, so is this, is it all the three singles that you put out or are they part of that album or you still have other things that are going on with that record? So right now I have 
a lot of decisions to make on what I want to put out next. Um, I've been spending most of my last couple of years in the studio, so I have a, a bunch of songs to release. I'm just trying to figure out which collectively to put together in mm. different um, projects. So I think I'm going to release an EP um, mm. at least in a couple of months, and it's going to sound a little bit different than my other stuff, which I'm excited about. And then, yeah, just I probably have about like four EPs coming after that one. <laughs> so that's it, really cool, though, to hear because um, a lot of times people just put singles out. <clears throat> and to me, like I have seen a new trend where maybe not an LP, but EPs seem to be coming back. Mm -hmm. Because it's like the in, in between stage between being a playlist artist, a single artist, EP, and then LP. And the EP is kind of like a middle ground. Well, I think for like right now, um, people's attention spans are very, very um, short, mm -hmm. I guess you would say. Yeah, so true. like, I feel like they want more material nowadays than back in the day where it was like, oh, you have this one song and you're going to work it for two years. Like people have already moved on already. Like they, they want more material and they want to hear more music and Especially like with the world the way it is right now, people need music, I believe. So hopefully, yeah, I, I think I did read something that um, the engagement of new artists since the pandemic is like people are more willing to actually listen to like non traditional new emerging artists. Yeah, like, that people are listening to like indie artists. They're listening to you know people on SoundClouds on the YouTube's. On, on all these different platforms other than the normal platforms. Well, so I, I think it's because they want real. And um, for a long time, a lot of mainstream artists have not, I don't, I'm not like going off against anybody, but a lot of them haven't seemed really like they know what their fan base actually wants. So yeah. I feel like they actually, they want people that like understand them, you know what I mean? And so they well, can connect yeah, better. I think what, what happened, like when I was a kid, right, uh, you had the big bands like the Stones and Zeppelin, and then they kind of started falling apart. Uh, yeah. And then what happened is then you got the punk movement. And the thing, like, again, about the punk movement was it was more approachable. You go to a place like in New York, like CBGBs, uh, and, and you get see the talking heads. And, I love and that. You, you see... <laughs> You know, like like a lot of a lot of interest in bands like television. These really like like modern bands, but they weren't didn't have perfect pitch. They didn't, you know, Devo bands like Devo and stuff. They were weird. Yeah, it was kind of like pro post punk. There was this age where like talking heads ain't punk, but it's like in between punk. <laughs> you get like Devo was like new wave, and so what you saw was people actually trying to do something new. Yeah, and it, and it kicked off the whole MTV era, is because you had these bands that were coming at music in a different way. They weren't trying to sound like Zeppelin. They weren't trying to sound like the Stones or the Who or the Beatles. They were doing different things. They're mixing funk and like new wave and hip hop, and they're mixing it all together. And 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 I think today, you know, you, you get phases. You know, you had Kurt Cobain with grunge. That yeah. was like a reaction to like hair metal bands that were becoming kind of like corporate 
and it wasn't rock was getting corporatized and it didn't feel authentic. And then Kurt Cobain came in and kicked the door and was like, <laughs> this is authentic rock. Yeah. You know, I'm doing it because I want to do it. I don't care about being rich. I just, yeah. Right. right. And then he wrote some great music and you're like, wow, that's coming out of left field. And, uh, I think that we need, we always need that. We need yeah. people to kind of kick, kick the door open again and say, Hey, you know, this is what music can sound like. It doesn't have to just sound like that. You know? Yeah, and it doesn't have to be um, perfect and polished, and it doesn't have to be what some dude in a suit in a record label tells you it has to yeah, yeah. be. Like you never know. You look at like David Byrne from like the Talking Heads. He looked like a rock star, and at the time, you're like he was so odd, you know. But he really, you know, did some work, and he now today they're doing a Broadway thing with him. But you know, he. <laughs> That's I have to look into that. Yeah, but it's like the stuff that comes out of some way you could, you know, you get some A and R guy that look at look like the talking heads and say, "Well, that don't work," but yeah. it did. But it did, right? So yeah, so that's how much they know. So you have to. Because the problem with the record industry is they get something, then they xerox like a million copies of it, then make people not want to hear it anymore. <laughs> they put it on repeat like a million times on the radio, the same song. Oh gosh. And so there's like these like artists always are trying to do something new and we always have to kind of bust through the door yeah. to get them to realize that that millionth copy of the last band that was big on the top 10, nobody wants to hear that. Yeah, they, no. They want to hear something else and you, you're not letting me through and then somehow you break through and that's like the story of music. Like it, they never seem to learn no. that you shouldn't just replicate the same thing. They just continue every generation from the 70s till now. They, a&R people keep on doing the same thing. And I'm like, okay, you guys don't learn. <laughs> That's why they're A&R people and not artists. <laughs> yeah, well, saying. artists are always going to do what, what we want. You know? <laughs> That's the thing is, like, I ask you, like, like the reason you get into music is because you, you're passionate about it, right? Like, yes. why, do you, why do you do the music you do? Like, if you're explaining to your fans, like, why you do it? Um, personally, like I haven't been able to release all of the music that I've wanted to release yet. So once I do that, I feel like I can explain it better. But what I want to do is be able to change or help, you know, other people in this world and like, give them a perspective that maybe they didn't have before and just be able to, I don't know, share my experience with everybody and then maybe, you know, help a few people along the way and maybe put something new and cool and different out there. <laughs> so let me go back a little bit into the video. So when you put that video together, who did you work with like as a director? Um, how did you, uh, you know, get that? Did you help work with the storyboarding or how did, how involved were you in the direction of how the video was done? So um, I used a lovely uh, cameraman or videographer. I don't know the specific term you would call him but his name's carl um diebold and he's amazing he's done he's a producer like a video producer yeah he does he does music videos so he films them and then produces them too uh and so i worked with him and i knew that i wanted to do <laughs> i knew i wanted to tie somebody up and cut them down <laughs> <laughs> so we found like this abandoned warehouse in nashville um on the outskirts here and it was in the middle of summer, it was like 90 degrees and I'm in all leather and just like no AC, no nothing. It was, it was a 
definitely an experience, but it was one of the funnest experiences ever. I I personally love filming music videos. I don't know why, but I feel like there's something special about putting an eye like the the actual idea to the song and like making a, a yeah. Yeah, I yeah think well, that, as a songwriter, you have a story. I mean, your songs are are traditional kind of you know songs in that they have they're telling a story. Yeah, um, and so they that works with film, and it kind of goes back to the day when MTV had videos. <laughs> um, that you know the songs would have these stories, or or yeah. you'd have or you'd have directors that go and be kind of obtuse and say, "Well, I'm going to go make it have nothing to do with the song." <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's some strange ones out there for sure. Yeah, Which, I mean that's a, that is a style where you go and do it where it has nothing to do with the song, and it's this very psychedelic or it's weird direction. And they, okay, what does that really mean? But um, yeah, I think it's cool to actually have ones that actually follow what you're saying. Yeah, and, and I think that too. It's just um, it's a nice way of like having, I don't know, closure for the song too. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense, like the full picture of everything that you worked on, kind of. It's yeah, it nice to like full project. It's kind of like yeah. if you have like a vinyl or a CD. If you have a video, it feels like the full project of what you did. Right? Yeah, you it feels yeah. complete. <laughs> it came from being in your head, being in a notebook, you know, being on the back of a of a of a, of a of some piece of like a napkin, and then suddenly mm -hmm. it's. It's there. There, and you see the full picture of your vision. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's really cool. Like, I think every time you put a song and you kind of give birth to your song as a, as a musician, you kind of like, okay, you put your children out there. Yes, definitely. And you don't know where, where they're going to go. <laughs> yes. It's it's just like that. It's, it's, it's very personal part of you. So it's like, it's a very, especially with society the way it is and how, one thing could go one way or another way based on the direction the wind's blowing. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's very like, it can be nerve wracking putting your stuff out there nowadays too. So yeah, it's, I as a songwriter that it is like, I think a lot of times songwriters, we tend to take a lot of stuff, right. That happens to us personally. And because we're artists, we can actually turn it into music. Yes. And do you find that you take things that, are kind of painful and that drives your creativity or you take things that it doesn't have to be a pain centered creative process. But a lot of songwriters I've talked to say, well, you know, my saddest moments in my life actually become my best work. Yes. It's, it's the sad ones, <laughs> the sad ones, the bad relationships, they all make a, they tend to a, make singer songwriters yeah. best work. Right. Yeah. Like, it's not like every happy moment is what, you know, in some hours they're able to do that. But a lot of times it's like, you know, you listen to James Taylor. Like there was yeah. a story about him, you know, when he did his first like classic songs, because he was having a lot of trouble. You know, he was like addicted. He had breakups. He didn't have any money. So he wrote, you know, all these, I've seen Fire and Steve Rain. He's I like, love that song so much. He was, he's going through a lot of pain, right? And yeah. then when he got, got married, he did this album, like this double record. And he was happy. And then the, like Rolling Stone and the critics, they killed the record. <laughs> this stuff is garbage. And he's like, but I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, I think like, I really do think happy songs are hard to write personally. Yeah. 
Yeah. Unless it's like, oh, I love you so much. Like the love songs are a little bit easier, but just pure I'm happy is yeah. a little, it, they're hard. It's hard, it's to, get hard. to engage on that. <laughs> yeah, and it's also hard not to sound really like corny about it either. Yeah, I it's think what happened just, is that people felt like the depth of his songwriting kind of went away. Yeah. When, when, he, when he didn't have the struggle, that his work didn't hit people the same way. And he's like, wow, do I have to be really messed up in my life to do anything? <laughs> you know, like, and a lot of times artists have kind of been like, kind of like a method actor, right? Yeah. Thinking like, like a Pacino or De Niro when they get into Raging Bull or they do a big movie, right? They kind of get into it. So they, I heard like, like they, they end up like getting stuck in the character. Like Johnny Depp, I've heard he's crazy in his characters. Yeah, sometimes they don't get out of it. Like they get off off the stage and they're still in the character. The like like he, method actor will stay in the character. Yeah. Do <laughs> not date one of those people, anybody. <laughs> no dating method actors. I would no, stay away from that. I think it's kind of hard. They, even like Bowie was known like during when he played Ziggy. When he did Ziggy Stardust, he did not take Ziggy off the stage, right? As soon as he stayed in the Ziggy role off stage. Oh, that's crazy. And, and people were like, wow. But he was kind of doing it because he felt like in order to, to be Ziggy, you had yeah. to be Ziggy like 100%, 24 Yeah, go full <laughs> in on it. For... Yeah. yeah he does, actually... He's like that kind of guy, though. I could totally see that. Just... Yeah. Yeah, he was that kind of guy. But... um. I think sometimes you can take it too far, but like, I think it is it's like how you put yourself into this mood because like, a lot of people will say like, when you go on stage, right. Do you feel like it's like an other you when you do your music is the music, you, the real you, or is it a little bit like different, like stage persona, like in order for you to do your songs, is, is that, is that you, the you that you deal with people you know when you're not on stage or do you kind of change your character a little bit to be like the musical version of yourself i feel like you kind of have to change your character a bit like where you put like this wall up kind of instead of like it's more of like hey this is i love performing like it's one of my obviously my passions and what i love to do but it's also your like your job and you're like there to put on a show for people so there is like a level of okay, yeah, like I need yeah. to like, you know, get my crap together and yeah, because I can do see this. like like the the you that you show you know, had in the video yeah had this kind of like it's different than the you I'm talking to yeah and for, you, sure, for sure and so so it's, I think that's where all artists do because I mean you look you got like Mick Jagger right mm -hmm. you see him on stage and he's strutting and everything then when you talk to him he's like a businessman. Well, they say all <laughs> actors are rock stars that couldn't make it. <laughs> so. Yeah, I think it's kind of like that. But I, I just noticed that like, a lot of musicians, like they have this kind of other them, other you. They yeah, no. Other self. In the it it is yeah. acting. Like it, it really is acting, especially. Um, and acting is hard. Like it's, it's not an easy thing to just like switch on and be like, okay, I have to be this like whole other oh, person. Yeah. Um, especially like, cause I feel like, like you, what you were saying, where it's like getting in that character, like listening to a song and fully like resonating with every like emotion that's yeah. going mm -hmm. on in it. And mm -hmm. then being able to portray that, like that is a very difficult thing to do. And I give props to anybody that 
like because some people are just absolutely geniuses at it like it just looks flawless <laughs> yeah, you get like a lady gaga you get a madonna they like the, the, the there's this persona right yeah and it's like it's not what they do when they're just living their normal life and it's like you know you see it like you know even think about like you know like led zeppelin and he's out there as kind of this hyper sex guy you know it just seems like like way too much to him and mick jagger doing this thing and it was like wow <laughs> and even freddie mercury they were doing this thing right and yeah. present themselves in this real hyper version it's super hyper version well even elton like i don't yeah, but i don't know that. he might wear like all of that stuff to, around his house at the same time i'm not sure <laughs> no, that no. might actually be him <laughs> he might yeah well elton just had this thing where he could present himself and it was really like he's a piano player and he's like i had to really kind of create this thing because i'm a piano player and yeah. typically piano players are kind of it's kind of boring right? yeah no he so he like, is like he did it he he was he able nailed to it. It. How, can, like typically how do you get a piano player to have the presence of a guitar player yeah or, no. or a lead vocalist that can strut around and he had to find a way to do that and and he did it yes he uh, did you know, and they could even like a guy like Billy Joel, and Billy Joel still had a hard time doing that. I mean, he yeah. kind of really played it straight, and he just played the piano, and he would jump on it or whatever. But he didn't do what Elton did. Yeah, what Elton did was kind of like what Bowie did. Yeah, um, it's just like what they did was iconic. I mean, yeah. but Billy Joel to me is still iconic too. So he they just well, did it in different ways. The, I think he made you focus on the song. He didn't focus on him trying to be a persona. Yeah. Right? They, that's exactly they, it he focused it was, on the song craft kind of like like you know like a traditional song writer from the 70s it's yeah. like I, like you think about the, some of like the carpenters they they would just play and they, you know it was just okay it was about them playing all right and he didn't they weren't trying to be anybody they were just like okay i'm a good musician i'm a great singer yeah. i'm a great piano player that's what you see and some bands that's what they do you know like yes they would like turn their back to the stage and just play their instrument <laughs> and they wouldn't even do anything. I mean, they would just, they would like classical musicians. They would just get into the music so heavy. They didn't do anything fancy. They yeah. Would just play the music. And I, I can get into that because I like Steely Dan was like that. So it's like the, the difference yeah. between like, whether you want like a, to put on a show or like, if you are just, you just want to play some music and like get it out there. So there, I think there is like the performer and, you know, a, I would say like a singer song. I don't know. Cause some people are both though. So it's really hard. It's, it's kind of hard. Cause like you can, you can get a guy, you know, even like Dylan, Dylan kind of plays it straight, but then sometimes he wouldn't. Yeah. Sometimes Dylan, cause he kind of has this character in his voice. Right. And when he becomes that voice, it's not his regular voice. He does this voice. It's a version of Arlo Guthrie or Woody Guthrie or this other weird thing that he does. And and depending on who he's with, like if he's with the band, then he would actually be more animated and more present on stage. And then sometimes he wouldn't he'd be playing it like less, less more low-key. Yeah. But, and it just depends on what what kind of other artists were around him. Like if he had like really dynamic band like the band. Then he would be a lot more dynamic on stage. And, yeah, and, and it's just kind of like you never know as a musician. Like, are you gonna kind of play to it? Like Hendrix was famous for like jumping around and flipping around and doing Did all guitar, that crazy guitar, crazy stuff. But he could yeah. play so good if he just didn't move. 
If he didn't, <laughs> if he didn't jump around, it's like there's a famous thing where he played at um, in in San Francisco at this famous venue, and and the promoter told him, "It's like, can you just not jump around?" Please just play it straight because you're such a good guitar player. We want to record it. We want to just hear it for what you sound like, right? And he said, "Okay, fine. I'll do the first. I'll do the first set, and I won't jump around." Oh, calm down. Right? Then he said. Then he went and told the promoter, "Was that good?" And he said, "Yeah." Second set, I'm doing whatever I want, and then he started jumping, <laughs> jumping around, and whatever. But it's like, oh, that's you know, awesome. it, it shows that you can do whatever you want. It so, like, you know, if somebody's telling you what you got to do, then you do it. But um, yeah, no, it's it's the having the freedom to be yourself as an artist is uh, it's a very beautiful thing when they actually just do it. You know what I mean. You have the freedoms, like it's, so. That's like why you're a singer. Why you kind of work as an independent songwriter is because you want the freedom to work on the way the way you want to work, right? Yes, and like I also, I don't know. I just I feel like if for some reason the wind blew me another direction, I want to be able to, you know, ex like at least explore the option of sounding different or creating something you know, that's out of my comfort zone. And I'm, I don't think that most, you know, labels really, they don't prevent you from doing that, but I don't know if they're as open to it as you being able to just decide one day what you want to do. So yeah. I like, I like having the freedom of like controlling my own creativity. So do you work like and do features with other artists? Cause a lot of things going on today where there's like EDM artists that want, like vocalists to jump on their track and do a feature or you work with a hip hop artist or you work with another band and you in a lot of artists today <clears throat> are doing like guest appearances on other people's work or yeah. working with other people. Are, do, are you doing stuff like that too? Um, yeah, I have a song with one of my really good friends out of Atlanta named JC. He's a R and B artist. And so hopefully we'll be putting that out soon. It's called unnatural and it's really good. And then my other friend, he does more like punk stuff. I have a duet with him as well. And he's out of California. His name is Pablo. Uh, so hopefully that will be coming out soon too. So I I like to um, I like to jump around for sure into different genres where I'm I think that's great because <laughs> I think that's one of the cool things about this age is like, you know. Uh, you know, I like to listen to bands that take like a, mer a merging of like classical with mm -hmm. rock and then jazz with hip hop or like a little country. I, I mean, I, the kind of country I like is like, like I said, I like Johnny Cash, like from Folsom Prison. Outlaw. Like, <laughs> you know, real outlaw when he actually played in the prison. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, like, that's like my thing. It's like, okay, but that's real. Johnny Cash <laughs> was like, that's the hardcore. That's that, that's the real deal. Um, and, yes. uh, and, and yes. so that to me is like when you get into that and then like you take that kind of attitude that he had like that man in black attitude and and he the way he wrote his songs where he just had this authentic Americana that was yeah. like, man, it's like it's like the Dylan it's like the band it's like Waylon Jennings you know which is crazy that like nowadays if Johnny Cash was a singer he would be Americana like they yeah. wouldn't even call him country now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but he's the real country to me. I mean, that's the that's the real yes. deal because it's like it's just the the raw, 
nature, like a walk the line, you know, mm-hmm. and, and like, you know, it, those songs are so, I don't know, they're so authentic about him just sounding like, like with his band sound like the train, you know, he had the, he had a band that was so tight and it would sound like they're on the, like a railroad track. And it is like a trigger, trigger, and they just had this like really awesome rhythm section. And then he had like Dylan-esque lyrics that yeah. were very like telling these stories. Mm-hmm. Like a boy named like a boy named Sue. I mean, that story is so you know, interesting. I mean, how he would craft these little snippets like a four-minute story. Yeah, no, and and it was like literally different every time. Like yeah, it wasn't the same story. You didn't. But agree. they all were consistent. <laughs> yeah, he always had some kind of like outlaw story, <laughs> but it was like always coming from a weird direct, coming different direction. Yeah, like a ring of fire, you know, and like how to talk about a relationship in that way mm-hmm. is pretty heady, you know. It's people in like an alternative age today take that kind of <laughs> attitude and write songs. I, you know, I never even like examined it like that now i'm like oh crap that is like he basically made music that could span over how many generations and still be relevant like that yeah you could see like elena del rey taking mm-hmm. like that kind of imagery and putting it in her songs it seems like she could have she's, part of it. she's yeah. actually amazing at the way that she structures songs and lyrics like if you listen to her music like that is poetry like she is yeah, she's, like, of a, it's, she's low, like a Lou Reed, you know, she's like, yeah. she's like, you know, the Dylan-esque Lou Reed type of writing. It's, and she, it's, it's a little been, dark sometimes, but it's freaking yeah. good. Well, like, I think dark, dark, it's kind of like, you know, like in Cash is dark. And then a lot yeah. of his stuff is super dark, but it, but he, maybe it doesn't appear that way because of the beat. But yeah, I think that's always an interesting thing with you sometimes bands can have this little weird dynamic where they can have something sound very poppy. Yeah. But then have very dark lyrics. Like there's a modern band <laughs> called Churches. There's a new wave band and the lead singer writes these very dark, important stories. But the music has got this new wave synth stuff to it that if you listen to it and you didn't really pay attention to the lyrics, you just say, oh, this is like a new wave song. But then you, you actually read the lyrics, you're like, wow. What's that um, Pumped Up Kicks by... Who sings it? Crap, I forgot. They're, it's like, um, it's about the Columbine shooting, right? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes and, you don't know. You don't know. And happening. you're listening to it, and it sounds like a happy song about shoes. And then <laughs> when you actually, like, examine the lyrics, you're like, oh, my God. Like, this is horrible. Like, but. I think it, that's a genius in some writers, you know, like if you can actually get somebody, they, they don't necessarily get it off the first listen. They, yeah. They, 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 to me, it's like listening to music is like reading a, a novel, right? When you have a really good artist, you start to uncover with every listen more things about it, right? Yeah. And, and the, the way the way you do your wordplay, the way you write your songs, the way you do your bridge, the way you do, it just all comes together as this piece of art. And the more you listen to it, and I'm still finding stuff in old Motown songs, you know, that I'm like, wow. The yeah. Way the drummer did this, the way the bass player did that, the way the lyricist did this. And it's just, you know, as a songwriter, like I think a lot of us, we just learn from all the other songwriters. Yes. <laughs> and, and then we figure out how to put our own stamp on it, right? Definitely. And it's also just like, it's learning to be 
I don't know. It's starting to be like open to the fact that like you can write something like certain people too. Like you don't have to like, it doesn't take just, you know, like you can not, you don't have to be a musical genius to write yeah. a song. You know what I mean? And just, just like, have to be your authentic self, right? Yeah. Being just, able to be like brave and put yourself out there is really all it takes. And just I like I really have a lot of respect for people who are able to do that because it's a very nerve-wracking experience a lot of the time. But do you find that it's hard to put so much of your personal self into a song and then you feel like you you're giving away too much? Cuz I one thing I think a lot of times like it's like an actor actor, right? Like you have to kind of give a lot of yourself. Yeah. To, and then 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 you like do you feel like okay, what well, did I did I expose myself? too much to the audience in order to get this song to be as perfect as it could be. But I think that's kind of like the nature of being a songwriter is like you kind of do have the talent of, of kind of exposing yeah. yourself to the world and, and, and getting them to understand it, I guess. And I, to me, like nowadays, I think it's just like, that's kind of like the job you signed up for. Like if you want, <laughs> and I don't know, like if you, if you want to be in the public eye, then you just have to be used to like people knowing things that you don't want them to probably know about your life all the time. Yeah. But it's just part of what it is. And I think that uh, just for me, I it's, it's whatever people know things about me. I'm, I don't really, at this point in my life, I'm just like, whatever. Yeah, it's, it's just the price. It's the price of doing the business. Like I said, like when we're artists, like when you put that out there, you it's it's you know okay, you know that's what it is. And sometimes, like you know, can I get into songs that get really into funk and into like you know romance and all kinds of like hyper issues? And then people say, "Was that really you?" It's like, well, you know, it's like everybody's got like something's going on in their head, right? And, yeah. and everybody's got stuff that happened. Yeah, and some of it's really me. And some of it's like a, a, a like a, a hyper version of myself. Or it's like you can like literally talk to your friend about something and get a song idea and write it down. It doesn't mean you're not like authentic. It just means that yeah. you know that where people need like different you know perspectives on different situations. And just yeah. like even a movie can inspire you. I mean, so it's there is certain like situations like. Have I ever actually tied a guy up? And oh, I guess I did it in a music video, but like in real life, I never yeah, yeah. that out. Yeah, that's people no. think like, oh, no, you you really do that, right? <laughs> yeah, no. No, no, but it's like you know, because I I play characters in my music. Like I <laughs> I create voices with my synthesizers. Oh, that's so, so cool. So I'll play like a female character named Josephine Electric, and then people say, "Well, are are you Josephine?" It's like, well, Josephine is this character I created. Yeah. She is me when I sing, when I'm playing her, I'm playing her. And, yeah. and she represents, like, if there was a female version of me, that's what I I try to write how I thought, think I would behave. Oh, that's really cool. And I'll so it's kind of like this idea that, like, you know, like, if you think about when Bowie became Ziggy, he was kind of this androgynous character. And I said, well, why don't I just say, I'm going to be Josephine, and I'm going to create this <laughs> idea that it's not this, like, I'm taking a, a, a direct decision. It's like I'm going to create a yeah. female character. And well, and it, like, it yeah, allows you to create different things too. 
Yeah, well, and, they can take different stories because then I can I can take an approach that that you know it's not my male approach to yeah. it. It's, it's a different version, and because I'm a you know I write, I'm a poet, and I write short stories, so I decided I'll take one of these characters I created oh, when I, like I was that. in college, and I turned her into the lead singer of the band. <laughs> oh, that's really cool. And that's that's kind of what I do, and then when I actually perform, a lot of times I wear a mask that's like a phantom mask. So then you can't tell if I'm a girl or a boy. It's this phantom. It's like a light LED phantom, and you can't see my face. Oh, that's cool. I so like if that. I do a female voice, then I'm kind of like androgynous. You can't tell I'm a guy because I'm wearing all this electronic stuff, and you can't see me. And so then I can do male and female voices in the same costume. And so oh, that's so cool. And that's the idea. It's like, well, people go, oh, you're going to wear a dress. It's like, no, that's not the idea. It's like, <laughs> I'm going to create this phantom. And yeah. a phantom is a ghost, and the ghost could be female, and the ghost could be male, and you can't tell. And it makes people think. Yeah, I just wanted to come up with that's where the idea of phantom came out. It's like so I can I can go all kinds of directions with all these different types of voices and like different that. types of genres, and kind of be able to do jazz and rock and punk and funk, and and it's all kind of like okay, why? What is that? It's expansive. That's why yeah. I call my label expansive sound because then I can do anything. Like if I want to do jazz, I can do jazz. If I want to do punk, I can do punk. And what do I, what's my label? Expansive sound. So I like that. Every, every type of sound. <laughs> so you're not, you don't put yourself in a box at all. No, that's awesome. Cause that you don't need to yeah. nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, unnecessary. That's why I like what you were saying. Cause you say like, I don't, you don't want to be in a box. You want to do whatever yeah. you want. So you're working on projects where you're doing something like punk. You're doing like, you know, this other thing that was more like, electronic and then you did this you know the, the americana so i think that's a really good place to be the way things are today because yeah you never know which audience is going to kick something off you well and it's of, all about playlists right <laughs> you can so voice on an edm song and get to be a big hit in australia and in the uk and be kicking like a million cells because they like it and or you could be doing this americana thing where everybody yeah. in nashville loves it uh, you know, and doing doing a punk thing, and then like in, in in Boston or New York, you know, because that's what they're into. But it's kind of like you know, you can have different audiences, yeah, catching you in different places. And I think, yeah, and you get to express yourself in different ways too, which is like nice. It's it's again, it's like what you were saying earlier. It's a it's a playlist kind of like environment right now so it's basically whatever somebody's like oh i like that song i'm gonna put it on my playlist that's that's your way in nowadays so i don't think that genres really do matter anymore yeah because you could end up on the trance playlist or a trap playlist or the big beat playlist or the 80s like new wave type bands and you know there's tons of like band like that that i'm into like synth wave bands that sound like new wave bands you know or, or, or bands that go into like industrial that have like a nine inch nails sound a little heavier. Yeah. And, um, and either way, it's like, it's like you could be doing like an, an industrial thing and then suddenly want to do trap or want to do hip hop <laughs> or want to do traditional old school rap and just go into it. And, you know, you just, you just can do things in so many different ways. So, so the question I have is, are you, are you doing any live shows or live streaming or booking shows the way things are right now? Um, so the last I heard I was supposed to have a show in Vegas and then in New Orleans, but 
the way that the world is looking right now, it doesn't look like that's going to happen until next year, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I, I don't really play around Nashville either. I kind of, um, it can get a little, um, congested around here for playing um so i try to like branch out not that i i don't love this city nashville is one of my favorite places in the world but um so i was supposed to hopefully next year maybe around i know i have that show with you in february on here um but maybe next year around like may i should be having like all of the shows um i did hopefully we'll be South by Southwest will be a thing, and I will be there. I'm really just hoping that shows like stay back. I haven't really. It's going to be a really big demand. I mean, I think the fans want to see bands, you know, and as bands have found ways to come out, you know, yeah, like the Foo Fighters found a way to come out, and they came out and they got a lot of fan participation, like in New York and places where they went, um, but they had a whole protocol to doing it, but. I think there's a bent up need from the fans to see, you know, Coachella and see these South by Southwest, these big events, you know, the ones in Europe, the big UK and uh, European festivals. And I mean, I had a booking agent that I got just as COVID happened. Yeah. I, same. I was <laughs> like, you know, the kind of stuff I, I wanted to go to Berlin. I wanted to go to New Zealand. I wanted to yeah. go to, I want, cause I'm kind of like, I would go to these little small experimental places no, like those are those are the best ones. That's why I don't like playing like in a big city where I feel like they those little smaller towns like they appreciate you going the distance mm-hmm. to like go and perform there. Not saying that big city people don't, but I feel like there's just more of like the actual local people are the ones going to your show and they appreciate you being in their area. Yeah, I think they like to see international artists. Like if you go, yeah. if you happen to go to like Iceland or you go to the Netherlands, you can actually get really good engagement from the oh, people if, I ex- talk to. Especially if you like have traveled across the seas to go perform in their like country, like they're they're very appreciative for that kind of stuff. One hundred percent. And it's just fun, I think, to 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 get into a different scene. Like you know, to go to a Berlin scene to play like in New Zealand to play like in Australia. To yeah. Play, to play like in Rapongi, Japan, right? And EDM oh, in Tokyo. Japan, that, they go crazy. I yeah, heard. they're really into it. Like, if, they, <laughs> like, if I came in there with my ghost costume and my LED shoes and all my stuff, they're just really into people doing a show. Yeah. If you if you're confident about you doing your show, you just you do fine. Because they just they want to see that you're really you're into it. You're, Kind of, I think as a performer, I have to always tell people other when I was producing, it's like you got to believe in yourself and be so hyped into what you're doing that the fans get hyped because you're hyped. Yeah, because <laughs> nobody wants to like listen to somebody who's not even connected to their own music. They'd be like, like you can you can just tell when people love what they do or yeah. when they're just are there to get a paycheck. You know what I mean? Yeah, and if you're excited, like if you're totally excited and you're very enthusiastic and you're feeling like people feel your energy. I really believe people can feel your energy. energy. Yeah. And if you come on stage with that kind of energy where you're like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to really kick it. Cause I, I want to do it. I'm going to win this crowd. I'm going to do it. Then, then, then you're always going to be good because 
like then 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 you know I think that's it this works out. Same. You gotta you just gotta love what you do and uh because that's like one thing I try to tell everybody that's you know starting in music is just be yourself and don't let anyone tell you different and even if someone doesn't like your music don't worry because music is subjective and there yeah. might be someone totally different out there that feels a totally different way. So just don't give up on yourself ever and don't yeah. let the bastards get you down. <laughs> That's like yeah, I think it's like, there's a certain thing into what's popular, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it's like everybody's out there, there's a niche. And I, you know, I found, you know, a niche, I got fans like, like all over the world that are into what Peg does. And it's like, but, the funny thing is, like, I live in New Hampshire. Nobody in New Hampshire, I mean, I, not, well, I got a couple fans in New Hampshire, not to piss them off. Not <laughs> to piss them off. <laughs> but the fact is, like, like I'm not going to sell out anywhere in New Hampshire. Like, I got to yeah. go to Boston. I got to go to New York. I got to go to L.A. I got to go overseas. Yeah. And it's like, if I thought, if I had only limited myself to New Hampshire, then I wouldn't even be doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Because my hometown people, they're like, yeah, that peg stuff is like, that's no good. <laughs> <laughs> But it's like, like if I cared about that, then I would have stopped. But it's like I knew there were other people that would get it. Yeah. And so like you can you have to make sure that you open yourself up when you're abandoned. Like like oh, don't just stay in this small town in Southern California or stay in Texas in this yeah, one area. No. You gotta be and, willing to kind of go. Well, and and don't also don't get trapped in one big city either, because I see a lot of people that literally they play in one city and they play a lot of gigs in one city, but you have to go out and experience like other places and let them experience your music. Like just, just spread your music to the world. That's all I suggest. Cause I feel like when you, you have no room to evolve if you don't do that. Yeah. You kind of, you might get really good with a, a, a fan base that makes you feel comfortable, but like you said, you got to get out of your comfort zone to, to really expand. Yeah. Um, and, so and to get I, better, like, you know, just to experience yeah. like the the road and what goes on on the road and all the craziness of that. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that's, that's where every band wants to get on the tour bus or the airplane. Like, you know, like I got my own airplane. It's like, well, maybe not that, but, but um, <laughs> that's back in the day, you see the Zozo on the, on the Led Zeppelin airplane. You're like, wow, Led Zeppelin's got a <laughs> I wish I had my own airplane. That would be yeah. so nice. <laughs> yeah, you can see in the film with like the, like the, the symbols from the Zeppelin 4 yeah. on the tail of a plane. Eagles had a plane too. They had. The, I was like, they probably still have that same plane or a different, better version now. Yeah, somewhere. But um, <laughs> I did want to before we close. I did want to point out, which you need to point out, we are doing a Peg Bedroom yes. Producer Festival, uh, February 11th through the 13th, and you are one of the bands going to be playing. We haven't figured out which day, but yeah, we're playing from the 11th to the 13th. And what the whole point is, we did this back in July. July 16th through the 18th, we had 22 guests that have been on the program since 2018, played 30-minute sets from their own areas, like their bedroom or the garage or an open studio or TV studio or whatever they were able to do it. And uh, we're going to do it again. And so, yeah, this gives a lot of the people that we talk to another venue. And we're planning on doing this at least twice a year. So that will be uh, in February, be the first time in 2022. Uh, and then we'll probably do another one in the summer. 
So yeah, we're very happy to have you be a part of that. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm super excited. Like, thank you. I really do appreciate it. And I really appreciate you spending this time with me as well. It was it's a great conversation. I'm just happy to be here. So thank you. Well, thank you. Like everybody, uh, remember, look at the link here. It's going to be on the permanent link. We are, again, on YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook. And so yeah. we, we also will be on Spotify Audio podcast and apple and nine other platforms including google play uh within an hour so the audio version for people who don't watch the podcast will be able to get the audio podcast version and we do appreciate you being on the show and if you do have more projects to push or talk about always feel free of coming back on the show we've had people come on the show multiple times so that's that's cool. awesome i appreciate that no and if if you ever just want to talk let me know I'm always, yeah, no, I'm, all, I'm, I'm always down to collab. Like, I'm a musician yeah. myself. You see all my stuff back there. Yeah, no, uh, you got a bunch of stuff. Yeah, it's all the crazy mugs. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely gonna check all your stuff out, and I'm I'm excited to see what the future has to hold. So thank you. <laughs> thank uh, you very much. Yeah, I appreciate it, and you have a lovely evening. You too, and everybody. Again, go go to the link here. Make sure you download, like, favorite, subscribe. That's very important as a musician. Like if you, you want the musician to get the credit for what you're doing, please download, please like where you can buy the record, go on Amazon and iTunes and actually buy it. Don't just stream it. Uh, we tell people all the time because that's how musicians get paid. Streaming's cool, but if you really want to help a musician out, buy the full album, buy the full EP, buy the full single, download it, buy it, share it, playlist it, give it around to everybody. Thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you. Bye. Have a good night. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye.